Welcome to In the Envelope, an awards podcast. I am your host, Jack Smart, awards editor at Backstage. I'm here to give you a front row seat to the Emmys, Oscars, SAG, and Tony's races. Who is in the running? What makes an award-worthy performance? And what are the secrets to giving one? These intimate, inspirational conversations with some of today's most talented stars provide you, dear listener, the kind of craft and career advice that could win you a statue of your own, and maybe, just maybe, a tantalizing glimpse in the envelope. I think that we are, as beings, we're attuned to try and see whether people are telling us the truth the way that dogs can, that dogs have a sense of smell. Sure. You know, that's what we're doing. I think we're going around. It's why we want to go and listen to stories. Is mm. It's like, is this true? Welcome, listeners, and welcome to today's special guest co-banterer. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Do you want to um, introduce yourself? Sure. Um, <laughs> this is surreal because I am a, I am such a fan of In the Envelope, but I can't yes. believe that I'm going to be on it. Uh, I really can't believe it. I think you're pranking me right now. Um, <laughs> no, you really are going to be in this episode. <laughs> um, my name is Caitlin. Uh, yeah. Caitlin Watkins, yes. for those of you. Is this my good, practice my radio voice? Your voice sounds beautiful. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you Jack. Oh, I can't handle this. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm the marketing designer at Backstage. Yes. So. And it's been, it's been really great to have someone who is such a fan of In the Envelope on the team of In the Envelope helping make it, ha- make it happen. Yay. Thank you for joining us on today's episode. I've, par- I've called you in partly because you saw The Ferryman. I did. Which is the Broadway play that's been nominated for nine Tony Awards. And just so listeners know, the voice you just heard in our intro, the guest of today's podcast episode, is Jez Butterworth. <laughs> Can you believe that name? Oh, that's such a good name. It's such a British playwright name. Is that his, <laughs> like, born? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. They knew. They knew. They yeah. knew he was meant for big things. <laughs> Jamie and I were trying to do, trying to get me to say it in a British accent. Like, I feel like you can't say Jazz Butterworth in an American accent. No, Jazz Butterworth. But <laughs> It does sound good in a Southern accent. But <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Oh, he could be Southern too. He could be Southern. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but the, uh, so the ferryman is about, for those who don't know, it's about what? The Troubles. The Troubles. The Irish Troubles. Yes. Which I didn't know. I didn't know much about. I feel embarrassed that sure. I, after seeing that play, I felt embarrassed that I had never heard of <laughs> it. It's a fascinating, yeah, time. Had you? In history. I'd only heard the basics. I didn't know about this idea of the of the disappeared and of the people who right. whose bodies are found later in, in bogs. And, and <laughs> like, I think in this interview, we got into the inspiration behind this play and how it had a lot to do with the idea of not being able to mourn something right. that you don't know what happened to someone right. if they disappear. Yeah, I think it what's so beautiful about the play, apart from... I think bringing the story of what was happening mm. in Ireland and beyond that underlying obvious mm. story, there was like all these characters that so many characters you that were so 
well-defined and had such Mm. depth and you just get lost in the little story of this one family and the little dramas Mm. that are going on that still go on despite the fact that there's so much grief happening yeah Yeah. there's still all these Mm. little things that are happening too yeah so much activity and life and yeah there is a um goose I didn't. <laughs> I didn't want to tell you guys that there was a goose, but there's a goose. Jack just told you. <laughs> Spoiler alert for those. There's who a baby and a goose. Go see. That's right. There's a, ba- a live baby. baby too. Yeah, it's epic and intimate, like you said. Yeah, it's, it's a huge, sprawling cast, and uh, I talked about that with Jez. We we got into why he did that and what was the inspiration for this. His uh, partner Laura Donnelly is mm-hmm. is also nominated for a Tony. She's the yeah. lead. She was the lead in that play. She was amazing. It's really, it was really stunning. And I'm very curious to see how it does at the, at the Tony Awards coming up. Me too. Oh my God. Caitlin, thank you for joining us. Thank you. I'm going to keep having you back as co-banterer. Yes. I hope forward. that I did. I hope that I did a good job. <laughs> you did. A little nervous, this you This is all going in there. <laughs> hey, are you ready? Yes, you, listener. Are you ready to take the advice and the inspiration you've heard here in today's interview and use it in your own acting career? Is it something maybe you've always considered doing? Are you at the very beginning of your acting career? Are you well into your acting career and you're a fan of this podcast and you're ready to take those next steps? Backstage is here for you. This podcast is brought to you by Backstage. And what we are offering listeners to this podcast is a free 30-day trial. That's right. We are giving you 30 days completely free to try out Backstage. All you need to do is go to checkout, backstage.com slash subscribe, and enter the code ENVELOPE. That's right. If you enter the code ENVELOPE at checkout, E-N-V-E-L-O-P-E, that's how you spell ENVELOPE, you get 30 free days on backstage.com. Browse our thousands of casting notices. Learn why it's the world's number one casting platform. If you are an actor and you haven't signed up yet for Backstage, I don't know what to tell you. Get on it. Jez Butterworth's writing for both stage and screen has won accolades aplenty, including a Writers Guild of America Award and Olivier and Evening Standard Theatre Awards in his native London, His plays Jerusalem and The River have stunned Broadway audiences, as did this season's family epic about the troubles in 1981 Ireland, The Ferryman, now nominated for nine Tony Awards, including Best Play. Here's our fascinating conversation with writer and director Jez Butterworth. Yeah, I mean, anytime anyone says, oh, it doesn't belong on Broadway, I want to see it. Yeah, there's actually plenty of plays this, this season that I thought this I love the sound of things that Broadway. don't belong on Broadway. Exactly. Do you yeah. know what I mean? There's, totally. there's, there's, like, we did The River on Broadway yeah. in 2014, and right. that didn't belong on Broadway. But if mm. you strap Hugh Jackman to it, suddenly it does. Right. You know? And he it's, can merge the two, it I was, feel like. You know, it yeah. was, we were, it, was, it was great for that, and that's what he really wanted to... So, yeah, I think if anyone would ever say that about my work, I'd be thrilled. Right. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, because I feel like each year we want we want to crown, like, the greatest broad, you know, the greatest offering on Broadway. But the definition of what Broadway is changes. Maybe yeah. this is true of the West End, too. Yeah. But we yeah. want something a little cutting edge, right? A little Yeah, I love, safe. yeah, I, I think that's, that's exactly right. And yeah. I think that whatever the 
present environment is. Mm. The fact that there's all these plays suddenly cropping up. Plenty. When everyone was saying that that was just not a thing. Oh, the plays this season are... It's the one of the strongest plays seasons I've seen in years. It's and that's amazing. sort of the nicest thing about getting nominated. In all seriousness, yeah. you know, it's it's it makes a it's a extraordinary year when a play like Mockingbird doesn't get you know doesn't get a, a, a oh, sure. best play oh, sure. nomination. You'd feel that it would in absolutely any other year. Totally, yeah, absolutely. Um, the Ferryman. Just to <laughs> just to give you my reaction to the Ferryman. I could barely sleep the night after I saw The Ferryman, because, mostly because it's an adrenaline thing, like my heart was pounding. I wanted to ask about how to write horror. I don't know whether you considered horror as a genre as an element in your play, but horror on stage is fascinating to me. Mm. There's a certain kind of edge of your seat thrill that can't be replicated in a movie theater, which yeah. has like the horror genre, you know? Yeah. Like, do you think about that? I certainly think about uh, the idea of pushing the uh, the drama to the very edge of itself mm. so that you feel that it's entering a territory uh, where you might be extremely uncomfortable about what's going to come next. So mm. it's kind of like emotional horror, mm-hmm. you know? It's, totally. It's, it's like, is this going to... Are we going to walk down a road I just do not want to go down? You know, am I going to be faced with something that that's akin to a intervention? Ah, uh, you know, and I think that I want to feel that that that's happening to the to the characters mm-hmm. at the same moment that it's happening to the audience. And I think that the the the, the thing that that. When people go to see a play, I don't think they care whether the characters live or die. I think they care mm. whether their dignity is at stake. Oh, okay. And so yeah. I think that an audience will lean forward and register so so that uh, they'll focus so much more intensely if a character's dignity is at stake. I think that's what we show up to see, uh, not sword fights or or whether you know someone gets poisoned at like the end. Or, yeah. And so. Hmm. Really, in order to write in that register, you the first you got to have all your money as a writer. You've got to have all your money in the game, and you got to be standing on your feet. You know, you got to be all in. And sure. then when that happens, I think it does enter a a, a register where you feel like you want to watch it through your fingers. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that thing about? Is it that thing of advocating for your characters, bestowing them with? making sure that their dignity feels earned to the audience. Yeah, and yeah. I, and I think that that really as a as a as a as a form mm-hmm. theater theater does dignity better than film and it does it better than books cuz mm-hmm. you can close a book and you're not present in a film. Right. Uh, if you go to see a matinee and you're the only person in the audience for a film, great. But if you're the only person in the audience for for a play, it's excruciating yeah. because suddenly this, the minute the curtains open and the lights go up, everybody's dignity is compromised. And so, <laughs> so the, that that just demonstrates what is actually going on in that room and its basic unit is yeah. that the, your presence means that you've you've put. The, the dignity of the, the fact that the, will the actor get through the night? Mm. You know, did, will will I get through? Will I yeah. need to? Will I 
soil myself. You know, whatever, what, you know, whatever it is, we're we're there. We can't not. Right. We, it, we, it's a it's a presence yeah. that, in and of itself, if theatre is is bad, it makes it excruciating. Right. But if it's good, it makes it better. It's like a hundred to one shot. You you lose all your money mostly. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> mostly. Yeah. Yeah. That's so. <sighs> I love hearing about. I love talking to writers. Um, I'd like to hear first of all. I want to talk to you about like if you have a process for writing, but let's talk specifically about like where did this play come from? I know it had something to do with your partner Lloyd Darling, yeah. who's also nominated for a Tony Award. Mentioned she had an offhanded comment to you, and that was the the seed of the ferryman. Yeah, we were watching a, pro- a television program about the disappeared uh, in Northern Ireland, and. Uh, it got to the end, and they were doing a roster of the 17, I think it is, mm. um, people that the, were vanished by the IRA. Mm-hmm. And the first one that came up uh, was Eugene Simons, and she said, that's my uncle. Wow. And I t- couldn't, uh, I, I couldn't, like, process that. It seemed so extraordinary that we would sit there for an hour yeah. watching this show. And then she would reveal. And she, you know, it's like literally <laughs> as if we're watching a show on the Harlem Globetrotters and my dad has played in the Harlem Globetrotters and <laughs> yeah. I choose not yeah. to mention it until the end. You know, right. it's, it's, it seems so extraordinary. But but the, the fact that she didn't hmm. showed me that there was something at the heart of the experience of it which made it shameful. Right. Which made it something that families would try and mm. hush up, mm-hmm. that it wasn't talked about, and it was it was only like just in her consciousness, and I think she describes it as like she only made the connection when she saw his picture. Oh, okay, right. Uh, it's that subconscious. It's that buried. Yeah, yeah. Which is the stuff of great drama, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so there was something in there. And then uh, I sort of we we came up with some plot f- for a story that I tried as hard as I could to uh, have nothing to do with for about a year. I did. I didn't want to write a story about. You were trying to. I just didn't want to write a story set in set in the, the troubles. Uh, I'm yeah. not. You know. I'm English. Yeah. And I certainly didn't want. It was the double thing. If I didn't want to choose as as raw material a subject matter of it's someone touching. that I love, I mean, it just seemed to be playing with yeah. with fire. And and so I did everything I could not to uh, not to write the play. And then Nora's <laughs> mum, who was Eugene's sister, mm. is very involved with um, Wave, which is an organisation that looks after the families that have disappeared and wider wider into the community of people who've lost. Uh, people in the troubles in general on both sides and uh, she phoned Laura up and she said they've found two bodies and there are going to be two funerals and I'm going to go along and I've got no one to go with can you come along with me can you come to Belfast and attend the and Laura said you want to come along and I said well come yeah I will I'll you know we'll support your mother and so we we went along to the first one and it's you know the, the the when the coffin came in and it was a 16 year old boy mm. who'd been murdered 45 years previously uh, Gosh. sitting in the cathedral are all his friends and family and they're all in their 60s yeah and uh, they've got kids running around and grandchildren running you know and it, it's just 
uh, it, it was like um, th- it was it was the most v- dramatic thing I'd ever seen. Mm. That discrepancy between the, the the it just felt like it showed me something about time. Yeah, time that yeah. I'd never that I'd never seen so starkly and simply portrayed in this ritual. Right, and it just felt that I couldn't look away, that I had to do something about this. I had to uh, write something about this. Mm. And again, I turned my back on it, and I, I, mm-hmm. I didn't for another uh, six months. Mm. And then Laura came to me one day, and she said, I'm pregnant, uh-huh. uh, and I'm not going to be working for, for a while. What, what the, f- you know, what the hell? Like, I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm in my mid-30s, and this is not, great i think this is something that we want but like what do we do? I'm, I'm going to be up on bricks for the next two sure. years and then like i don't and i said all oh, right i'll do it i'll write the play I'll write it. <laughs> <laughs> so, and at that very moment i felt i remember feeling just utter relief because i mm. thought and now i can't get out of this right the stars aligned is it always that way where you, you you resist and resist and resist yeah i run in the opposite direction and sometimes for years sometimes for decades really where where i'll try as hard as i can to ignore it to not to do it and it means that the ones that track me down and, and are relentless mm. are the only ones really that are worth writing and i think there's right. pro- i could have written about another 12 plays i think absolutely and i yeah. haven't and I haven't because just, yeah. I just think that they would have been the in-between ones that you don't really, you know, that you don't that need to go and the, see. Right, <laughs> yeah. That doesn't have the all-in commitment thing, yeah. I think that that requirement to to know that you're going to drain the well, you're going to put everything yeah. in it, makes the experience uh, of sitting down to write them very special for me. Because sure. it's like it takes so long, and I'll be dealing with things that that sometimes, you know, I'll be dealing with with ideas that I had when I was in my twenties, right? But that won't leave me. And that also helps explain why it's such a massive play. There's a lot to. Yeah, I think that, that that when it comes to to the time of actually doing it, yeah. I just hang on for dear life. You know, I just <laughs> just yeah. I had no idea that there were so many children in that family until they all started coming down the <laughs> stairs. You know, it wasn't about my, my my plan at all. Um, quick question about, I've heard it said that when characters keep secrets from you, that's when you know that they have their own life. Does that happen to you? I think that's great. I think that's that's a lovely way to put it. I think that what that describes is almost my favorite thing about the theater, which is that a plot mm is a plot it's a plot against you you know it's a plot against oh. the characters are plotting against one another and oh my God. and then the then the, the the play is plotting against the audience and i think that moment where you get a uh, a fold in it a discovery suddenly someone says something that you that you as the writer didn't know they knew yeah then the exact same effect will happen to the audience and i find that idea right absolutely thrilling plotting against the audience yeah i think it's it's so in the ferryman quite simply in the first scene in the farmhouse Mm -hmm. you meet caitlin and and quinn and you're made to believe that they're a couple right and over the course of an hour 
it's Don's revealed to you that yeah. that's not the case. Right. And so by the time you reach the interval, you know the way it is, but you spent maybe anywhere between 10 minutes or the entire act yeah. thinking something that wasn't true. And I think yeah. not a single person in the audience resents that. You know, they feel they love the fact that they've been misled. Right. Yeah. Information it's plotted is against withheld. Them. Yeah. 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 Because that's dramatic tension, dramatic irony. No. I don't know what it is. I just know yeah. that when it happens, I wouldn't think of a name for it, but when it when it comes about, it it feels um, like life. It feels it feels true. I, mean, I think that that we are as beings. We're we're attuned to try and see whether people are telling us the the truth, the way that dogs can uh, that dogs have a sense of smell. Sure. You know, that's what we're doing. I think we're going around. It's why we want to go and listen to stories. Is mm. it's like, is this true? Yeah. Is he telling is she telling him the truth? Yeah. We're all that's what we're on. sitting there watching. Yeah. Did you ever have you ever you really never sat down with an idea for a play that then becomes easy and you just follow it and there it is. Oh yeah. I mean I've I've definitely done that. I've actually sat down <laughs> once to uh very excited to write a play and wrote a completely different play. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had absolutely no changes. idea it was going to happen. Mm. But I sat down and I began it. And by the time I was like half an hour into it, it was different characters in a different age doing different things. Half an hour in? Yeah. And I just <laughs> was there. And I, so I just thought, well, I'll see what this is. And I, right. uh, and I had no idea that that was what was, that that was, was going to happen. Yeah. It really seems like plays are almost like a person for you. Like they're almost someone that you argue with, or they I, deceive you. Well, or... I think that they're they're like like songs. I think that mm. they're there before, and what you do is that you tune into them and you write them down. Uh, the having the having some technique won't help i mean this is why it won't help it won't help mm. it won't help you can't do it without it right but but it won't help if, right. you, see, if you see what i mean With the idea on its own you know there, there's a re there has to be a reason doesn't there why writers of all forms right get to a pinnacle and then stop you know why does paul mccartney write his last decent song mm -hmm. in 1970 when he's got all the skills to keep creating incredible music. You know, and then yeah. it stopped. Why does Arthur Miller stop? St as you mm. get to the point where, where right. you know, he hits the 60s and yeah. it dries. So that just tells you that it's got nothing to do with technique. Right. Because they've got all Not the technique. Yeah, they've yeah, got yeah. all the technique you need. What, so what, then, what they've stopped doing, I think, is they've stopped tuning into the thing that they were originally tuning into, <sighs> which is literally just like a... a that there's a frequency yeah. on which this these stories are being um, are available, sure, and they're there. They're already there. Mm -hmm. I don't think that I've written a single line in a play that wasn't already there. Sure, I think that's how it feels. Anyway, it's how it feels. Sure, <coughs> because it just comes to you because yeah. you don't think it up. You don't go, "What would be a cool thing to say here?" Right. Because it just literally comes into my head. I can't really explain it any other way no it's not technical at all no it's just literally like they're, they're over there telling you it and you're writing it down totally and passion is one of the ingredients and so is like emotion like it sounds like the ferryman being an example is like it wasn't until you went to that funeral that the emotional stakes for yeah. you is it safe to say were there and then also just the original idea of the she kind of withheld that information from you and then it was revealed yeah i mean i think that the, the 
at the heart of that story is is this idea of of interrupted ritual mm. you know, they have been unable to bury their dead yeah and what happens in that um uh in the lee in the slack water between the uh the loss yeah and the ability to acknowledge the loss right is where the tragedy happens you know that is where tragedy occurs mm. i think yeah time doesn't stop no so why was this a play and not a movie. Maybe this goes back to the horror question. Well, I think that the uh, it is a it's a play that deals with the, uh, dignity, mm-hmm. and I think that that, that theatre is the best place to explore that. Um, I think because I was present in the room when that coffin was brought in, right. I was actually there. I could, you know, it went past me, and uh, actually being there in the room felt that this was a pl- was was a play almost like a premonition I, I also don't yeah i don't have I, I never confuse the two i'm never going oh, is this an idea for a play or a film okay you know th- there's never no it's like if you're playing a different sport you don't start playing the other right. you, know, you don't you're very certain yeah you don't yeah. feel the need to pull out a baseball bat in the middle of a football game right. <laughs> do you know what i mean it's like it just feels like they're, they're completely different sports yeah 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 to me and so, so the, I knew it's just it's a play the way that a child is, you know, a boy or girl. Right. So form, you could say form dictates content. I think it does. Yeah. And I yeah. think that the, I like the old forms. You know, I, I think mm-hmm. being I love that people experiment with with the forms. I like old forms. Mm-hmm. I like blues. Sure. You know, I like mm-hmm. like 12 bar blues. I like uh-huh. stuff that sounds like the other stuff. You know, totally. I, I really do think that, that there is mm. there is so much that you can do with an old form. It's an old form for a reason. Right. It Without works. messing with the form itself. It works. Yeah. You said the thing about the all the children coming down the stairs. Yeah. Why precisely are there so many characters? I think for some, for example, a tourist coming to Broadway, mm. it becomes like a gimmick or it becomes mm-hmm. like the thing that they remember about the play. Mm-hmm. Are you thinking about that at all? No. No. Uh, I think that I've thought there were too many. Uh, oh. And, and I, so I, I sort of left them in and I thought, well, I'll probably amalgamate some of this later. Mm-hmm. And I never did. <laughs> uh, Was there a sense of I'm supposed to amalgamate? Cause well, I think I felt a certain, resp- you know, a, yeah. a certain responsibility to Sonia to not have to make the play prohibitively expensive to produce. Right, that is a consideration. Uh, but it, but she didn't think so. She, mm. she came along to the read-through and she never even mentioned it. Oh, okay. She was like, well, that's the play. And so, you know, I think that wow. I come from a big family and, and my mother, who, you know, is, comes from an Irish family... Uh, she was one of seven children, and and the the names of the children in the play are the names of my sisters, my mum, my mum's um, sisters. I didn't know that. Cool. Uh, and it kind of just feels like that's my my whole upbringing was 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 as crowded as that. Yeah. It's interesting because Sam Mendes uh, is an only child, and oh, wow. when he read the play, I think he felt really exhilarated at mm. the idea of uh, of choreographing 
right. this this mass event. But at the, at the same time, I think he felt a bit sad because oh. this was not an experience that he <laughs> had ever had firsthand. Oh, and and I think that you know there was a sort of a plangency to it. He felt yeah felt a little uh, a little bereft. I think. <laughs> <laughs> and a massive challenge to get the audience to focus on that character saying that line. That character is just barely. Well, I, th- I think that's that's the 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 fun challenge. Sure. Is is to have you know, is to say okay in the next three hours you're going to get to know twenty one people, and you'll be able to differentiate them mm-hmm. all. Yeah. Uh, that's mm. that's f- like just uh, that's fun. To, yeah. To do. When you say able to, do you you mean like? You trust the audience. Yeah, I yeah. think so. And I think that, well, the way it works for me is is whether there's three characters in a play or whether there's 20 characters in a play, you know, each one's got to be played by a different actor. And that actor, sure. that actor, unless you're doubling up, that actor is going <laughs> is gonna to have to go to work every day. And whether they're seven years old or whether they're 77 years sure, old, sure. when it gets to the matinee, you know, and they're 13 weeks in and they're exhausted, mm-hmm. they better wake up and say, well, I am exhausted and I've had enough, but I'm really looking forward to that scene where dot, dot, dot. Right. And if the actors are looking forward to their day at work, it probably means that their character has a journey through the play that is meaningful yeah. Yeah. and that that journey through the play will translate itself to the audience. So if the mm-hmm. actor is going to have a good time, yeah. then the audience are going to have a good time and if each one of those people is this is sort of discreetly drawn and distinctly drawn yeah it means that you'll you'll end up with something akin to an orchestra and an orchestral effect right so you did think about that in this instance of you were going to cut those characters and then you had enough delineation between all those kids and i wrote uh jerusalem which has i think 13 characters Mm -hmm. in it and i learned a really surprising thing doing that which is that plays with big casts for me are actually easier to uh to um write easier to kind of like uh score or like arrange mm. than plays that have two characters in them. sure it is like music wow. it is a lot like music yeah. yeah and i think in those terms i've always thought in those terms i think that you know i've, I've always wanted to be uh, a musician I would have preferred to be a musician. I'm not. <laughs> have uh, you never been? Like, I mean, I, I can, yeah, I'm, I'm like, you know, the, the, the world's worst at everything, but, I, but, but <laughs> I, uh, that, that doesn't stop me. Right. Um, huh. But I, I kind of feel, I've always seen it in musical terms. I've always seen it in musical terms. I think of it rhythmically. Hmm. Uh, if, I'm, if I'm helping the play come to being in any way, Right. Often my input is a rhythmic one. You know, I'll I'll feel I'll feel the rhythms of it, and I'll want it to 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 syncopate here or counterpoint gotcha. here, or you know, or, or rhyme here or, even or rhyme. stop. You know, like like whatever it is that that I'm doing, I'm seeing it, or, or we return to a refrain here. You know, it's it's always in that that kind of like hmm. musical yeah uh, like maybe level. Some- music theory would actually help playwrights well i wonder i've, I've sort yeah. of um it's, it's if i'm if i'm um going to, if i go to a play the first thing that i'm that i'll try and see is if is if it has its own rhythm right uh or is it just saying things 
you know, is it just up there saying things? And so that would be the first thing I I uh, mm. I watch. Laura, when we go along to see plays, Laura goes along to watch something completely different because she's an actor. So right. she's, she 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 can come out of a play that I think is terrible, and she'll have had a great time because uh-huh. she's watching one performance, right, and invested in that. Yeah, and yeah, just yeah, yeah. loving what that person's and doing. You're invested in like how it sounds. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, which that brings me to, I want to ask specifically about Laura, but also like, because we're backstage, we love hearing about how actors might help you in your craft. Yeah. Is that true of like, you're trying to find those rhythms. Do you change stuff in rehearsal based on great actors doing things with your lines? Well, I've always seen, always seen actors as my sort of co-conspirators and my co-collaborators. Okay. Uh, Collaborators. I don't see them as, as people. Plotting. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't see them as, as there to interpret my stuff. It's we'll all do this together. Mm. And I've, I only think that, not because it's nice and because it's inclusive, but mm-hmm. because it's absolutely essential. Mm-hmm. For example, when I was doing um, Jerusalem, I wrote a version of a play called Jerusalem, oh. uh, which was dreadful. Oh. <laughs> and then I met Mark Rylance, and, I, and I, I'd, I'd shelved it. And it, it it had been three or four years went past and then I met Mark Rylance and he had somehow got hold of a copy of it and I was mortified oh. he was running the globe and oh he read it and he liked something in its essence he liked it a lot more than I liked it but there was something in its essence that had spoken to him huh. and I could see exactly what he meant when we met and because it was him but yeah yeah because he could see a way through it and what he was describing to me went into the bloodstream of mm-hmm. the play at such an early stage mm-hmm. that I, I wrote it for him on that basis. And so wow. by the time he's performing it, it's a just a chicken and egg thing as yeah. to whether, you know, right. it, it would never have come about without his spirit and presence and me being able to see that spirit and presence, albeit he didn't write a word of the play, right. but it's like it's, he's through it like Brighton Rock, whether he likes it or not. Yeah. And so that's what an actor is to me. They're not just someone that's, that you bring in, it's like say the lines and stand over there. It's I, I, I seek out actors who are going to, um, with almost without their knowledge, help yeah. co-write it with me. Yeah. And so th- this was okay. the case for Laura uh, mm. in, in this play. You know, the character that I uh, created for her, yeah. I knew it was for her. Um, I knew what... I find so dramatic about Laura mm. and I know that she is when it comes to dog whistling to an audience that that dignity is at stake ah. you know it's almost Which like a sort task. of a, 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 a note goes off she can do that mm. I think uh, along with the very best and I think this is why she's getting the recognition yeah. that she's getting for it. I think it's specifically that. I think some actors, you just worry for their fate per se. You know, right. they just have a way of, of uh, and, and then when they f- when they fight for themselves, when they stand up for themselves, it feels like all bets are off. That this mm-hmm. is like everything is at yeah. stake. The stakes are. Yeah. And and she somehow manages to impart that. Yeah. And I think that some, you know, I forget who it was who said that every actor comes with something for free. You know, you get you get cool mm. with, you know, you get diffidence with Marlon Brando. You get cool oh. with, do, do, do you know what I mean? Like one quality. That's you get like, one thing for free. Gotcha. And I think the one that she gets is dignity. Oh, how interesting. 
it's like one adjective. Or yeah, one <laughs> yeah, you can't, one that you I just like come that. with. Yeah, I like that. Um, so in the case of specifically this, but also with Mark Rylance too, what we're saying <coughs> is, we're saying is that actors bring a spiritual or emotional connection. It has nothing to do with they're not feeding you like circumstances for no. the play. Content no. for the play. No, I mean if they did, great, but but right. that's not really what happens. No. It's kind of as if they. I can see that they are going to be able to embody a spirit that is that is what I want to to um, broadcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by spirit, I mean spirit in the sense of the way that Hindu gods represent different spirits. You yeah. know that you have a god of jealousy, you have a god of uh. you know a god of revenge. There's a reason why Shakespeare started naming his plays after the main characters. You know, th- th- if you look at what he's got there, he's got these god mm. these different spirits you know totally the the ambition you know macbeth Mm -hmm. is the the you know perfect example of that and really what's happening is it's just dealing with that subject and then he moves on to the next one and the Mm -hmm. next one next one and so the spirits in that kind of a sense you know i think that the jerusalem has at its heart a character who is the embodiment of defiance Mm. and so this one's all about dignity dignity yeah Yeah. the gods of dignity yeah amazing and and w- do you have anything to do with the casting, the re- the rest of those roles? Yeah. It's yeah. important for you to be uh, there, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, certainly right down to, I mean, Sam is fantastic like that. But that's always been the case. I mean, the great thing about the, the, the you know, the theatre is the opposite of, of cinema for a writer. You know, in, 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 ah. in the theatre, people listen to the writer. <laughs> the writer, okay. You know, whereas yeah. in, in film, it's like you are a sperm donor. <laughs> you know, they, they can't get, they need it, but they, they want you to leave immediately afterwards. Yeah. You're crucial to the process. Crucial. And completely... <laughs> Yeah. Dispensable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so you're all about collaboration in the room and the director and Yeah, I mean I think that, that I've always felt that uh that those rehearsal rooms are f- are really f- for for me. It's like I'll sit sit in there and listen to how this mm. this thing needs to be made bespoke for this individual Ooh. rather than generalized and and a good actor, I remember I did a film many years ago, back when I thought I could direct films, and, and oh. I did a film with Nicole Kidman, and she was she was so uh, uh, present and enthusiastic and out to help, hmm. but if a scene was written wrong, she just couldn't do it. Oh. You know, it was like, if it was written right, she could do it. Yeah. But yeah. if it was slightly off it was like if that line was off she just she was suddenly terrible huh. and it's like it's as if she could only tell the truth and so right. so you could sort of like like the truth thing wait again. for it and, and if she suddenly was off or it didn't work you had to look to the script gotcha wow it was, it was fascinating that thing of the actor being like the vessel yeah and like if it's not flowing through perfectly something's yeah. wrong i think that's right yeah and so you just would just hear it. You wow. just just tune to it. And go, no, no, that's not. It's not your fault, Nick. When you have to go and and yeah. change this. And that's about. I feel like that must be an instinct or a gut uh, reaction that you have to. It's like taste. Like you kind of have to work at it. I think that's that right. Up. And those yeah. are the actors that I'm drawn to. Because let's face mm. it, there are other actors who can sell you anything. You know, whether it's oh. good or, or 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 bad. And I love them too. I just don't. They're not the ones I I go for. <laughs> that's so interesting because then you don't get that filter, the Nicole Kidman yeah. filter of yeah, like, you don't. 
that was bad, so we got to change yeah, it. Yeah, you don't. You just, they just can sell you anything, <laughs> you know? Yeah. They can sing you the phone book and it would, it would still work. Yeah. I mean, I love that. I love that that's there. Right. It's just not my bag. And you are a perfectionist and you want your work to yeah. be top-notch. Yeah. I mean, I don't, don't let anything go, yeah. go past. No. At all. I mean, I don't do it frequently enough. You know, sit seven plays in totally. twenty-five years. I don't do it frequently yeah. enough to piss around. You know, I can't. I can't go. Oh, yeah, d- d- just do it like that. Right. No, it's got to be busy right. With yeah, it's got to be right. So it sounds like also, is it safe to say with writing, screenwriting, and playwriting, there's a lot of patience, or just like a lot of. Um, it's just a lot of waiting around. A lot of waiting I mean, around. Yeah. It's kind of like if it were, you know, if I were a tailor. <laughs> I'd, I'd, you know, and I'm making a suit every four years. Right. You know, it's, I'd, I'd, I'd have a nerve to call myself a tailor. You know, exactly. It kind of feels like I'm a playwright every now and then. <laughs> but that's amazing. Like, and I'm, I assume that's not, <coughs> of course, that's not true for every playwright's style. But mm. it sounds like in your case, it's crucial to have the idea that enters your head. And then it needs to stew in there to the point that you can't ignore it. Yeah. Even if you're actively trying to ignore it. Yeah. Which I love. Yeah, I think that's I think that's right. And it grabs hold of you. And that really makes it sound like divine intervention. It makes it sound like it's from some other it's a muse or something. I think so. I mean I I I've always seen it in those in those terms. And it kind of means that it removes responsibility as well. You know, you, you kind of feel like, well, if I just if I um, I just if I just patiently wait and I'm ready as so long as I'm ready. Mm. Uh, a friend of mine did a did a uh, was making a film about Michael Jackson before he died, and uh, Michael was was writing loads of songs apparently at the same time as he was rehearsing for all those gigs he was going to do in London. Like he was that. up all night writing and and then dancing all day, and he was getting exhausted. And my friend said, you know, well, why don't you just just take a take a break? Um, just like write these songs like after you've done the the shows sure. and apparently jackson said no no i can't i can't do that mm. he said well why not he said well because if i did that god will give those songs to prince <laughs> specifically prince <laughs> specifically god and specifically yeah. prince and so so that idea that they're there you know as soon as i stop paying attention to uh-huh. The, the 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 business of playwriting, God is going to give those songs to Prince. <laughs> but that's like, uh, but at some point you do have to take care of yourself. Like, you're first and foremost a human, and then a playwright. <laughs> Are you um, an artist first? I, 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 it, it's not been useful to make the distinction. <laughs> it's not a distinction. Okay, okay, it's all one. I think it is all one. By by which I mean, you know, when you. When you meet someone like Mark Rylance, he's an actor all the time. I don't mean he's acting all the time. Right. I mean that he's just tuned in mm. to a, a, a frequency and a yeah. level of attention and listening. Yeah. That makes everything part of his work and part of his study. And I think I feel like that. I don't know. I noticed something uh, about myself the other day that may, may be pertinent. Um, which is, but I'll just say it anyway because it, it might be illustrative. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I'm listening to someone in a conversation, uh, I hold my breath. Oh. And I didn't know that I did this. Always. Yeah. 
if you're if you're talking, I won't be breathing. Okay, and I'll try and breathe at the points where you're not talking. Oh wow! So that I don't miss anything. Uh huh. And I didn't realise that I was doing. I'm not consciously doing this. That's so interesting. I just became aware of it. The fact that that if yeah, if I'm listening, I, I will not. I will be because if I'm breathing, I can't hear you the same way. Right, and you're worried about missing something. Um, I think that I've got to know. It's it's so massively important to me to know what it is you're trying to say. Sure. And it might not be for its meaning. It might be for the way you're saying it oh. and yeah. what you're not revealing. So you can get it subconsciously as well. So that I can observe the, the, the way in which people huh. reveal or withhold information. That's so interesting, though, because that sounds like I've heard it said, and I think that I even used to do that on stage, yeah. where on stage with an actor... You hold your lines when someone else is speaking, yeah. maybe for the same reason. I wonder. I mean, I, I wonder. I just, just, I suddenly realised that that's what I was, that I was, it's d- that I was opting. Theatrical. Yeah, it's very strange, you know, because because I'm not even sure it helps, but it's just something right. that I, I naturally, <laughs> naturally do. Um, wow. I can. I can also. I can uh, be- because of because of that thing that it's to do with. Uh, what you might be with withholding, what you might not be telling me. Sure. I can yeah. have a conversation with anybody sure. and not get bored. Right. Like I can sit and what? talk to anybody about anything. Yeah. Everybody has secrets. And and I'll I can listen to I'm fascinated. Sure. I'm never bored by by that. Yeah. In fact when it it's almost like the the more someone is not present, the more fascinating it becomes. Because you're guessing where they are. Yeah, you're just <laughs> wondering if, if they're even Yeah. If if they're even hiding something sure. or if it's just a miasma. Right. Oh my gosh. So it sounds like writing is the natural conclusion of that. Well, you can tell an audience very, very quickly. You could you, people, an audience is so smart. Yeah, in yeah. terms of whether or not, on the many, many, many li- different levels, totally. that someone might be wearing a mask. Right. Now that this is what the theatre started with, you know, and it's it really is a case of of mm. of which mask, how thick, sure. When does it come off? Does it ever come off? Or is sure. it, you know, is this person revealing truths about themselves, or, or are they just decorating their mask? You know, right. Either on purpose or. As a subterfuge, or you know, yeah. or, or exactly on yeah. purpose, or or by by design or by accident. Right. And I think that we just know when it's going on. You know, instant, mm-hmm. instantly. You just even everybody you knows. Yeah. Even if you can't put a name to it. Even right. if you can't, everybody knows. And this is what's so gorgeous to me about different actors is mm. that they can calibrate those ways of right. uh, of being masked of, yeah. in such fine detail. Right. And the audience always get it. They get it. And that's the key to a good ensemble too. If yeah. everyone knows how mask, how masky to be, <laughs> or something. Yeah, I mean, it's just just if if you if I go along and and watch a play where that particular dance is being is being is being played out and played out well, it's just it's just bliss. Mm. You know, it just feels to me like I'm alive. I'm not alone. Yes. You know, uh, if it's it's. It's both congregational and specific to me. You know, I, I, I just, I, I just adore it, and and it happens so rarely that the, 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 that's what um, you know is is for sale. Yeah, in the theater too. Yeah, it's, you it's, can have the yeah, you can have the best play ever, 
and only one performance comes close to perfection. And it's never perfect, of course. Mm. But there's that thing, too, of each night is a little different. I love that. Yeah, that's great, too. <laughs> yeah, I love that the, it's just that... Yeah. Because I think that every time when someone says, oh, I went to see your play, it's like, I, yeah. the first thing I think is, is you went to see... A, a that, version of it. That night, yeah, totally. Like, what were the circumstances of, like... I love that. And of your own day. Like, me as an audience member, like, yeah. my own day affects that scene yeah. of the play. And well, one of the things I've tried to, 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 to do always as a, as a playwright is very quickly, when a play begins, to try and get the audience to forget their day, to forget oh, okay. how they got to the theatre, to forget whether it was raining. Okay. To forget who they're there with you know I, I love I love that thing of just just trying to grasp all of their attention mm. at one moment so Is there's not like, a slow there's not a slow entrance to these things uh -huh. it's just that it just happens and you're the and hook, you're there maybe? and I try yeah and I'll try and do the same thing after an interval you know the the, the interval uh, of the ferryman the lights go up and there's a ba there's a baby alone on the stage right right something that gets everybody so, hooked and you just you just did a you know you you you're back into it. Yeah, you're shocked or delighted or, yeah. or fearful or yeah. So hmm. you know, because what you know, there's a there's loads of, there's loads of tricks to it, but <laughs> but um, getting the audience's attention. Basically. Yeah, and yeah. and you know, and, and in a three act play, yeah, or the types of ones I write, uh, there's a kind of a shift in register as the play goes on. Like the first acts tend to be congregational; they tend to be for us to enjoy. As a as a team, mm. you know, oh. you can look around uh, uh, in in the first acts of of my plays and feel like we're here, we're here, we're sharing this together. Cool. And then gradually, as the second act goes, it just focuses in and in and in, and the last acts mm. are speaking only to you. And okay. you can see it in the in the, if you look at the audience rather than at the stage, you can see Ooh. it happening. Cool. People stop looking around them. You know, they stop looking at the people that they're with. They yeah. move away slightly from the person that they're oh, wow. that they're with because they want to experience it on their sure. on their own. Yeah, yeah. yeah they and want they're to immersed. Is it called? I th well, yeah, I think so. And I think that the yeah, I think all of it is. I think that's right. I think all of it is doing different different things. I think that that yeah. um, I remember seeing an interview with Mick Jagger once where he said that. You know, you don't just sing all the songs to the audience. Some of the songs are for everyone together, and some of the songs are for just that, <gasps> just you. Oh. You know, and and that kind of lasering in, like, yeah. like like zooming in. And your structure is usually from wide to to narrow. It is usually. I've I've observed that. I mean, it, it's mm. oh okay. And it's kind of it's. I don't know whether how conscious that is. It's right. just that's what happens sure. as as it as it goes through. I can tell that the first acts are have a congregational feel and that the last mm. acts have a specific yeah feel yeah i've never thought of it quite in those terms and that also makes me think of the ending because i hadn't thought of this before but me seeing the play the second it ends the second the ferryman ends or when i saw it again every night is different yeah i was so suddenly conscious of the people around me as if yeah. i had forgotten about them yeah and there was almost this um shared laughter like, there's almost this sense of like where yeah. were we just now and yeah. here we are again we're in a theater and yeah. we have to leave now what yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and like what happened and that's why curtain calls can be very jarring mm. i think in a good way mm. yeah i mean i, I think that's a, a 
that's, a, that's high praise where I come from. Sure, <laughs> yeah. Well, you must have, I mean, how did you finesse those last 20 seconds? Well, <coughs> there's a book, uh, which the name of which uh, slips my memory, but it's a, it's a, a, a compilation of, of uh, descriptions of the deaths of the 3,000 plus people who died in the Troubles. Each one gets an entry, known oh. facts about it. It's just a compendium. It's like this person went to this bar, met this person. They spent all day drinking. An argument broke out and in the alley around the back, someone came from another place who'd been phoned up and they shot them. Jesus. On to the next one, you know, yeah. and and it's it's just these constant eruptions ah, mm -hmm. that have a kind of a surprise and an and an inevitability to them. Surprise and on each on each yeah. time, and so I wanted the ending of this play mm. to be a sudden burst of violence mm -hmm. uh, after, and and that when you'd look at that afterwards, you would feel uh, shocked buy it but that when you look at it afterwards it would make sense as to totally. why the play was always headed to that moment totally and so it's it's not the way that the you know in in a shakespeare play the people die and then there's like a valediction uh-huh and then do you know what i mean yes. there's a bit where someone says he was a great man you yeah. know Somebody addresses the audience, or yeah. do, do you know what I mean? Like, and here's like, what we have to learn from yeah, this. Yeah, flights of angels will sing you to your rest. Right. You know, but I thought, what if it just, what if it just ends, ends. like a western? You know, like a, like Ooh. a, you know, like a shootout, and 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 that that and the, the all of the catastrophe uh, is held in limbo. In limbo, yeah. And you haven't had a chance to ritualize it, which is exactly what has happened Ooh. to the family. So that, that you know, in, in the, right. the the idea of the the that this is not attended well, and ritualized, you're just given it, yeah, and then you have to go home. It. Yeah, go home, deal with it. Yeah. And some people love that, and some people feel absolutely robbed. Well, because they want what closure? They want like a next well, act. So, someone said to me there was a a, a, a very sweet old lady came up to me after the show she tugged the back of my jacket she oh. said uh you the writer <laughs> and i said uh, i am she goes um what happens to the family <laughs> i said what do you mean she said well what happens to the family afterwards mm -hmm. i said uh i'm afraid i i don't know how would you know and she yeah. said yeah i thought so oh no <laughs> oh no <laughs> Oh, she like outsmarted you in that moment. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what you're doing. But you didn't write anything afterward because it's it really is the end. It really there is no, especially if we're talking about this idea of this play being a muse that's that comes to you through you. Yeah. There's no point to having another. It's minute. it's that there's no point. You no. know, it's this. It's it's like that thing. You know, how do you make? It's that old old. Um, uh, Native American stories. You know, they ask some someone how you how you make how you make a canoe. He says well, you get a, lo a a log and you take away all the bits that aren't a canoe. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like that when you're making a play. So at some point, it, it really is is finished. Not just the ending, yeah. but the the thing. Yeah. 
And do you know you know for certain when that is? Yeah. Because you could just keep carving away at the canoe. No, I think that it's kind of like, because it's musical in its nature, it's mm. like there's a point at which it, it, it resolves or it reaches its ah. point where there isn't really anything anything left to, mm-hmm. to, to say. It and will keep nagging at you until that point. I think you can tell yeah. when you go to see a play if its ending could have been one of seven or eight different endings. Uh, and I like to feel that there was o- there is only one. Okay, yeah. I also think the line, they're here, they're here, they're here, could signal that they're really here. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, maybe literally, the spirits yeah. have arrived. And yeah, I mean, I think that... Uh, the world. Someone pointed out that the, the you know, that the, the Jerusalem ends in a similar kind of register... Um, yeah, it's, it's it's put it this way, in the way that you know certain things have ended, mm. and there's nothing more to 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 do. Yeah, like when you finish a meal or you know whatever, whatever it is, you know that that experience has ended, and that's that. Uh-huh. Like there isn't. There's, I've never thought, or oh, what if I, or you know, <laughs> there's no dessert. No, there's just no <laughs> there's no way to change it. It just is what it. At that point, it just is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. That gives me comfort, too, like as a, I think any writer listening to this would would know that's helpful, that it takes a lot of patience, a lot of work to to write a draft and then to write many, many drafts. But at some point, if it really is a song, like a song, it is ready to go at some point. And you can step away. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And then trust in your collaborators, too, to help it. And that's where it becomes, you know, that's where it becomes fun is when it involves, mm. other, you know, there, there's there's reasons why people in the theatre choose to not, you know, there's reasons why not novelists are novelists, you know, that there's reasons yeah. why, you know, post production on a novel is sticking a stamp on an envelope and posting it to yeah. you. That's yeah. it, you know, that that's the end of it, and yeah. and maybe a few book signings, but yeah. but the fact that this is a, a you know, that this is a a, a process where. At the end of it, everyone's got to walk out the back of the box and go and get something to eat. <laughs> I love that about it. Totally. I've always loved that about totally. it. Totally. And yeah. there's, there's a particular advantage to having large casts, which is that, you know, oh. which is that on any given night I show up, at least four or five people do want to go for a drink. Sure. <laughs> it's a big community built in. Yeah, exactly. I that thought about nice. that. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Um, okay, you've mentioned several times r- the idea of ritual, and this is maybe like a big question, but like what is ritual to you or what is the point of it um what is it about our humanity that well i think that uh i i I went to when i was at school i went to see those caves down in the south of france where they've got those early cave paintings Mm. you know it's like the earliest uh depictions Mm -hmm. of uh figurative depictions on earth and i went down right underground and there's this uh there it is on the wall. There's a there's a a, a, a daubing, a painting of a of a of a buffalo, mm-hmm. and on the wall over here is a daubing of a man dressed up as a buffalo. Okay, oh. uh, and there's and there's people around him, and it really made me think. Well, so so they, what's happened here wow. is that they've killed the buffalo, and. There'll be people in the tribe who are good at doing that, mm. but then when they come home covered in the buffalo's blood, mm-hmm. someone's gonna say, "Where's the buffalo gone?" Because uh-huh. <laughs> they knew that how alive it was, um, and it's just gone. Yeah. And so, and also, what happened to Zog, who died fighting the buffalo? Uh, like, you know, where is where's he? he gone? Yeah. 
Where is he? Okay, so what we're going to have to do now is we're going to have to sit here and we're going to have to tell a story mm. and we're going to use these stars as reference, but we're going to tell a story and we're going to reenact mm. the killing of the buffalo so that it makes sense so to we us. Can understand it. Now, the fact that that was happening at the very, very beginning sure. and it never stopped, that we would have to find stories to explain our losses is where ritual begins, whether it's going to church. Wow whether it is getting you know whether it's burying someone and observing that and and mm -hmm. and actually knowing that they're gone and that there's an end to that that these rituals these stories are ways in which we will process losses that otherwise are unbearable it's always losses it's always losses really because it's an because of that element of the unknown like we d we fundamentally don't know where somebody goes when they die or when we lose something anything and we need something to is it comfort us you, you could argue yeah it is it's, it's comfort yeah. us you could argue that that, that weddings and um mm -hmm. that, that weddings and and baptisms aren't uh aren't there to observe losses but i disagree okay <laughs> <laughs> well because any change signifies loss i guess but that's what the processes are for and so if they if those get interrupted so what, if right. those get interrupted, then all hell breaks loose. Uh, hmm. And it is why it's actually what brings us right to why people would pay a hundred dollars for a ticket to a play is that it's just a it's just a ritual by which you're going to be able to process your losses together. Together. Yeah, yeah. That's what it's for. That's what you said why earlier about like we're not alone. It's that's other... what it's for. Yeah. I think. We need that reminder. Yeah, and I and I love how many different versions and colours there are of mm. of that. But that that in its essence yeah. is is what it's is what it's for. I think it was Dizzy Gillespie who said there are two types of songs. There's there's the blues and there's zippity doo dah. <laughs> the one song zippity doo dah. Yeah. It's ah. just, there's only two forms, and when you look at theatre, huh. I'd look at them, and I, 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 I just say, is this the blues, <laughs> or is this zippity-doo-dah? And it better be the blues. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, that was brilliant. Um, thank you. I think we have to wrap up soon. Great. This is so amazing, but um, because we're backstage, we're all about the uh, advice for early career artists, yes. or any career artists. Um, usually acting, but we love hearing about writing advice as well. What kind of um, thoughts do you have for well for that? I think the most important thing and the hardest thing mm -hmm. uh, is to just back yourself fifty one percent at least. If you if oh. you if you are forty nine percent behind yourself, you will not write. If okay. you if you doubt yourself fifty one percent rather than back yourself fifty one percent, nothing's going to happen. So the first thing, like having a pencil. You know, the ah. first thing you need, you need is to is to is to have your own back, is yeah. to support your own efforts, mm. to to uh, embrace your your coming failures because there's no other way of learning how sure. how it happens. And don't ever 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 think uh, this is I, I can't do this because I'm gonna because this will be me then and I will be shamed. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You've got to be absolutely shameless. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, in that in that respect, yeah. In order to be able to go in and say the things about yourself and about the world that you feel mm. uh, are unsayable, but you've got to support yourself. And I think that anybody who's ever feeling that they're not doing that, mm. even as a person, needs to just 
even as a person. You know, you need you have to if you're not in your own corner. Yeah. And you're not forgiving yourself first. <laughs> all of these things, you know, you have to be absolutely yeah. uh, on you. You just have to be your own friend in it, and yeah. and then I think things might might happen. I, that came to me by chance, really, and it's not always the mm. case. I'm, whenever I'm not feeling like that, nothing is going to happen. No. You know, I spent seven yeah. years not feeling like that, and I didn't write a play, um, and then I found my way back to it. So, hmm. you know, even knowing how to do it doesn't doesn't help if you're no. not backing yourself. Yeah, even knowing how to minimize doubt doesn't mean that doubt's not going to be. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. What was happening in those seven years that made that happen? Do you know? Uh, I didn't know what had happened first time around. I felt responsible for it, and I didn't accept that I wasn't. Right, self-forgiveness. I felt, yeah, I yeah. felt like I had to do it again and it had to be good and I was scared that, what if it wasn't and oh, I sure. you know I'd been 24 25 years old when I won Olivier awards and yeah. all this stuff and it was seven years before I wrote another play yeah I've heard of that phenomenon of you're just terrified it's of really the, hard you know sequel yeah yeah and because it didn't come from me you feel like a fraud but once you accept mm. that it's not that it's that it's not ever going to right it's it's the most releasing thing that's beautiful. That is emerging, as, I think, as a theme on this podcast of, like, a lot of people, when they're, when they're asked, what advice would you give your younger self? It has a lot to do with forgive forgive yeah. yourself. And I've never quite heard it put as be in your own corner to enough percentage that you can Yeah, you just got to. Yeah. You just think Persistent. to say, actually, as I'm trying to embark on this, do I think it's going to come... You know, do I have any confidence in myself to make this good? Now, the reason, right. one of the things that absolutely highlights this to me is that I can't write songs. Right. I wish I could write songs, but I can't write songs. And I think the, the absolute essence of the reason why I can't write songs is because I don't think I can write songs. I there don't trust is. myself. Totally. I think, oh, people can do this better. Totally. That's so what you know mean by and so, yeah. So it feels like the the songs seem like they sit so close to the plays, but I can get to one and I can't get to the other. Yeah. And I think the only thing that the the that can possibly explain that is how I feel about my ability to do sure. it. Sure, you've convinced yourself you can write plays exactly, but you haven't yet done the convincing. And I, and it yeah. And, and so I can't get anywhere. No, and so like you said, it's true of writing, songwriting, any skill, acting, yeah. and just life. Yeah. If you're not in your own corner, nothing's going to happen. That's right. Yeah. But the real truth of it is that I haven't put the time in to write songs. Totally. But, then, but this is a, this is still advice. Totally. But this is yeah. still advice. Yeah, is yeah, that, yeah. that I've, if you add up the amount of time I've spent trying to think up plays and the amount of time I've spent trying to write songs, it's like 0.0001% of the time. Right. And so I haven't tried. No. Right, and so that's the next. That's the other thing is that you have to engage in it. You have to be thinking yeah. in that register. You have to try. Yeah, you have to try. You have to try. Well, that is a perfect note to end on, Jez. Mm. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. I enjoyed that's that. The exact kind of advice that we want to hear on this podcast. <laughs> wow. In the Envelope, an awards podcast, is recorded at Lotus Productions, Hyperbolic Audio, and Big Yellow Duck in New York City, and Soundbox LA, Mark Grouse Studios, and Buzzies in Los Angeles. Like, subscribe, tell your friends, tweet us at In the Envelope, leave a review, we want to hear from you. Visit Backstage.com for more content and resources for working artists, and don't forget, you can subscribe to Backstage with a free trial by using the code ENVELOPE at checkout. 
Thanks, as always, to podcast producer Wiz, Jamie Muffet. You can follow him on Twitter at JamieMusicNYC. You can follow me, Jack Smart, on Twitter at JackSmartWrites. Thank you to the team at Backstage, the most trusted name in casting, Peter Rappaport, Mark Stinson, Samantha Sherlock, Francis Ramos, Lauren Rout, Caitlin Watkins, and especially should-be Oscar nominee Casey Howe. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.